We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What are the stories you will remember from this year? At 880 In-Depth, we did a ton of them. Important ones, powerful stories. But the one that dominated our year, no surprise here, was the pandemic and the human impact. As we close this year, we wanted to update two of the stories that stayed with us. The story of two people who were especially challenged by COVID this year. I want to get my story out there and, and let other long haulers know that there is hope. Especially given the Omicron surge we're now living through, the story of those suffering long-haul effects after getting COVID is an important one to follow. We also wanted to update the touching story of a New Jersey widow we met, a young woman raising her two children after losing her husband to COVID back in early 2020. We're still living this pandemic, so it's like a daily reminder of what happened to our family and you know, hearing about other people's losses, it's like a daily reminder of, you know, how short life is and like knowing other people's pain. This week on 880 In-Depth, lessons from COVID survivors. You think you're tired of COVID? Katie Barber got sick in the spring of 2020. And she's still feeling it today. No, mine was very severe. I was completely healthy, and um, it's very real. Welcome to 880 In-Depth. I'm Tim Scheld. Katie Barber is a classic long hauler, someone who's suffering ill effects long after dealing with the virus itself. By some estimates, nearly a quarter of all of those who get COVID will suffer some ill effect in the weeks or months after. A JAMA study says 45% of those who suffered a serious bout of COVID requiring hospitalization will likely have some long-term health concern. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am good. How are you? Much better. <laughs> that was Katie Barber this past March when we met her at Mount Sinai in their post-COVID clinic. COVID really took my body and did a, did a number on it, and um, it was... It's a very hard virus to deal with. Um, so tell me what um, what you're up to in terms of your activity level, your physical abilities now. Yeah, to... so um, my physical abilities are much better. Um, I can cook, I can clean. I can... Nine months later, we reached out to Katie to see how she's doing today. She spoke with our Peter Haskell. 
We spoke to you in March, and things had just started to turn for you. You were just starting to feel better. Give us a sense how you're doing now. Yeah, so um, even from March, you know, I've definitely come a long way. Um, I was actually in a wheelchair um, for the previous six months in March. So um, around March, April, I was just um, able to to walk enough to get out of my wheelchair. So that was really exciting. Um, And um, I actually was able to go back to work um, in April after I started to be able to walk. So, um, you know, going back to work was pretty rough. Um, you know, it, it took about six months of um, adjusting. Um, but, you know, it, um, it, I'm always making progress. So, you know, um, I've come such a long way, and even getting out of the wheelchair and going to work was just such an achievement. So even though it was an adjustment, um, it was, uh, of course, um, going in the right direction. Do you still have symptoms now, and what kind of problems do you have? I do. Um, I have um, dysautonomia now, um, and specifically I have POTS, which is common in long haulers. Um, so I suffer um, daily from the symptoms from that. Um, to be specific, um, fatigue, um, that's, been, uh, that's been a symptom of mine you know, since early on um, in my illness. Um, I'm nauseous daily, um, so eating is a chore and uh, an unwanted chore, um, to put it nicely. Um, I have no appetite at all, um, so that's rough. Um, I'm I'm always battling, you know, heart rate, um, blood pressure. Um, you know, I'm always you know, doing my physical therapy and, and doing things to um, continue to help get, get, make these symptoms get better. But yeah, I mean, I still definitely struggle daily. Um, I've come a really long way, like I said, um, but things are definitely not the way they used to be before this um, whole thing. What kind of therapy do you do and how often do you do it? So I'm not on any programs um, currently, but I continue um, to do the things that have um, been prescribed to me from, you know, when I started at Mount Sinai, including um, I do breath work daily, um, I do exercises and like yoga and physical therapy type exercises. Um, you know, that, um, that helps strengthen, you know, your nerves and everything like that. I do, um, my high salt, high fluid diet daily. Um, so, you know, I'm constantly, um, do, you know, doing things and doing the interventions that, um, I was taught that, um, help and they, and they really do help, which is why I continue to do them. One of the things you had talked about when we spoke before was hope, or lack thereof. What is, what's your sense of hope now about a full recovery? You know, I, I continue to be hopeful because um, when I look back at things, I realize how far I've come. Um, you know, I at the worst of this, I was in a wheelchair for six months, and I needed three people to shower me, and... Um, just recently, I was able to walk on my own a, a mile. 
Um, so, you know, going from wheelchair to being able to walk a mile, you know, in the last year or so and, and looking at it like that, you know, and, and not, not looking at it like the symptoms that I suffer from every day, but looking at it like, wow, that's incredible. You know, I want to keep going and keep making, um, improvements because I was, I was, you know, running half marathons before I got sick. So, um, it's really quite the quite the dramatic story from half marathons to wheelchair to you know now being able to walk a mile but it that's that's what gives me hope and um i hope you know people hearing my story that's what gives them hope too you know other long haulers the fact that uh, as you say you you've been a runner you can walk a mile now what does that do for you emotionally knowing that hey, I can walk a mile now. Yeah, it does so much, you know. When I was in the wheelchair, um, I remember saying, you know, um, I can walk for 10 seconds, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's crazy that when people hear that from me, you know, like, oh, I can walk a mile. Um, but just getting out there and just doing it, is you know really important to me and that's really something that um, I value so just getting out there and doing it um, you know makes me so happy I'm curious when this whole thing started when you first had COVID did you ever imagine you'd be dealing with this more than a year and a half later no, I I really didn't. I had no idea. I mean, I was I, I can't even believe what it turned into. Um, you know, I was the last. I guess it's almost been two years. You know, a year and a half, two years now, and it has been life changing. Um, but you know, I I will say that you know everything happens for a reason and. Both my husband and I will tell you that um, this entire journey, uh, you know, really made us better people and really um, taught us what we're grateful for in our lives and just taught us so much, so much about um, each other and life and, you know, everything, you know, and it was really a life changing experience. What should people know about post-COVID syndrome? Um, it's very real and it's, it's out there and, you know, I, I want people to know that, you know, up, you know, one in 10, um, COVID cases can be long haulers and, and right now we're seeing a huge spike and it's so concerning and I just want people to, you know, be cautious and stay safe and, you know, follow the recommendations because, um, you know, I, I, I just know so, so many people suffer from um, long COVID, whether it's mild or, um, you know, mine was very severe, but, you know, it's possible I was completely healthy and um, it's very real. So just be be careful. When you hear people talk about they don't need a mask, they don't need a vaccine, they don't need a booster, they don't need social distancing, what do you think? Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, I just, I, I, I continue to tell my story and, and that's what I can do. You know, um, I can tell people what happened to me and, you know, they can, they can take it for what it is. But 
Um, you know, I, I don't tell people what to do, but I do, I do tell people, um, what, you know, about what happened to me and, and it's really shocking to a lot of people. And I think, um, my story puts things into perspective for a lot of people and definitely. Katie, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to add? Oh, no. Um, no, thank you so much. You know, that, that was great. Um, I, I really, um, I appreciate, you know, the time that you took to do this with me. And I um, want to get my story out there and, and let other long haulers know that there is hope. And it, it takes a long time, but hard work and um, consistency will definitely get you there. It's a much different battle for Pamela Addison. We met her this summer, still struggling to get her young family back on track after losing her husband Martin to COVID early in 2020. When my husband died, I thought I was the only young widow out there because you were only hearing about older people dying. Um, So I felt very lonely. And then a week after my husband died, I got a letter in the mail from another COVID young widow, and she told me I wasn't alone, and we connected. Um, Fast forward like six months later, um, I wrote a piece for NewJersey.com because I was really frustrated about how a lot of people were saying you didn't need to fear COVID. And I just wanted to put out why you should fear COVID because it's affected my family in such a dramatic way. And I posted it to several... um, COVID support groups and when I saw the response of all these young widows saying that that was their story and they thought they were all alone I decided that I would make a support group for us so no one would feel alone because I knew how horrible that felt and so I created it. But as you will hear personal recovery needs a personal focus and that's the journey Pamela Addison is on today. Peter Haskell reconnected with her to hear how she's doing. Um, I mean, I feel like life is still extremely challenging. It's hard being a solo parent. And last year I worked from home, which made like um, childcare and getting my kids to and from daycare a little bit easier. So I've been really adjusting to being back at work full time in person and dealing with like like figuring out scheduling and getting my kids to and from and getting home later. And then there's just so much else, you know, you need to do on a daily basis. So that's been a challenge. Has getting back to work made things feel more normal or just the challenges are too great? I mean, it's some normalcy, I guess, being back with like, you know, interaction with my students, my colleagues, but it, it's not in a normal circumstance. So it kind of like shows you how we're not in normal time. So it's like a daily reminder of how different life is and how different my teaching is because of the pandemic we're in. Being at home, dealing with kids, shoveling them around, what, what I, I guess what's the most difficult thing? Is it just the time stretch or is it the emotional dealings that you have to face day to day? I think it's a mixture of both. So like 
I leave my house at 6.30 in the morning and I don't get back until like 5. You know, like there's a lot <laughs> of like time. Like I just feel like all my time is like, you know, either working, being a mom, and then it's like very little downtime. So it's like I'm always on the go. There's not like a lot of time for me. And then um, it's just, you know, we're still living this pandemic. So it's like a daily reminder of what happened to our family and, you know, hearing about other people's losses. It's like a daily reminder of, you know, how short life is and like knowing other people's pain. And then within my being my daughter struggle with like why Papa's not home, why he's never coming home. You know, she has her moments. So that's like an, another emotional like toll on me and our family. Just in terms of the fact that you have so little time for yourself, how do you cope with that? I mean, I, I guess I'm just, you know, doing what I need to do right now and hoping like as, you know, life, I move forward, life gets a little bit easier you know um but right now it's just you know i'm just living it and i feel like a lot of people are just you know just you know just trying to survive i think it's like right now i'm still on like survival mode so i have this adrenaline that keeps me going and i mean i have things that i do to like decompress um you know read writing stuff like that like getting involved in advocacy work like those are things that like help me decompress in some ways so I feel like I have those things you brought up your daughter give us a sense how your kids are doing I mean overall I think they're doing pretty well I mean my little guy was only five months when Martin died but you know I see that now that he's a little bit more verbal like he really does look for the man and so he knows that's missing in his life you know, when he's with his uncle, he it's he's all about being with his uncle. When he is with, um, when he sees the man across the street doing things, he's all about watching that man and being happy. And you know, recently I've actually started a new relationship, and he he idolizes the person I'm seeing because he's the man. Uh, my daughter, you know, she does she. She understands what happened a little bit more, and every, you know, day, you know, she'll bring him up in some way. She'll tell me she misses him. Why did he leave? What happened to him? She's asking a lot more questions now because I think she's at that developmental stage where she really is trying to figure it out and, like, has a lot of questions. So then it's, you know, me as a parent trying to figure out what to say without scaring her which is sometimes hard because, like, I want to be truthful with her because I don't want to, like, say anything that's not true. But then when I do say those things, then she starts worrying about me, and she's fully aware. She's like a three-year-old who's fully aware that a bad thing can happen to someone you love, so she really does worry about me. So when I have to go to work, she worries if she sees me leave for work. If I have to go to the doctor because I tell her I'm going to the doctor, she's worried I'm not going to come back. Those type of things. So she she has a lot more um, on her plate, and she's a lot more emotional about things because she's scared. I, I don't want to pry too much, but you bring up the fact that you have a new relationship. How difficult or easy was that for you to take that step? 
Um, it was challenging because as like much as I want to move forward, there were like hesitations. Like I know something bad could happen again and I could go through all this pain again. And I think that was the most challenging part of like opening my heart to someone else and being vulnerable again. Um, cause knowing that the worst has happened, but you know, He's so super supportive, and he he wants to incorporate Martin in our lives, which is so nice. So that also was just something that made me, you know, want to, like, pursue, you know, being with him because he totally was accepting of what happened to me and the kids. So, but it was challenging. It, It really took me some time. It took me a while to feel ready to even date. And then when I was dating and, you know, learning more about him, it was hard for me to, like, take that next step just because of all, like, I guess fear, nerve, and all that. How has that helped your emotional state? I mean, I still have my moments where I miss Martin, and I I think of, like, what would have been with, you know, had this pandemic not happen with Martin, you know, like all the things that we dreamed about doing, I still have those moments where I like miss that we're not going to be able to do it. And especially like seeing the kids, which is awesome. They're so close to um, Joe, but it's just, it's like Martin's missing out on all that. And that, that kind of sometimes gets me a little emotional, but I think it's also been really great because I've like found that joy I never thought I was going to have again and having someone who's there like to support me when I am having a rough time that's been great one of the things that you did to try to help others was start a Facebook support group Uh, how involved are you in that now and and what does that do for you if anything um So I have stepped away a little bit just because as I'm moving forward, it's tough for me to read things where people are just right raw in the emotion of losing somebody. Um, But I'm still involved, but just not as deeply as I was before. Um, Just like I said, it's, it's hard to read so many people's sad stories and just be inundated with it when you're trying to like focus on your kids and their mental health my mental health there's a lot going on with work and me adjusting to being back full-time so it's just like um I my therapist is like you need to focus on you and your kids those are your number ones so that's why I've taken like a step back but at least it's there and people can go and find our group and find people who understand where they've been through and make connections. So I feel the, that at least I had made that for them. You know, I'm curious, the fact that you've chosen to step back because of what you described, does it give you a sense of how much progress you made and, and how far you've come? It definitely does. Um, and just knowing that, you know, I'm not alone and there's women who are, you know, in my, like, I guess, um, there's no stages of grief, but in a similar place. 
And it's nice to know that I have them to, like, talk to, but I made those connections early on when I felt so alone. So now the fact that this group happened, I made really great friendships and connections with some incredible ladies, it kind of, you know, makes makes it easier to step a little bit back, but also it does, yes, I do feel I've made progress. I've come a long way. I'm not the same person I was when I first lost my husband. I'm not the same person when I started the group. I'm definitely different. Our hopes and prayers for a better 2022 for Katie Barber and Pamela Addison and all of those touched by COVID-19 in such a personal way. We may be tired of it, but we're not done with it yet. And hopefully these stories of resilience will serve to help our focus. By the way, for those interested, Caitlin Barber got her post-COVID treatment at a special clinic at Mount Sinai here in Manhattan. And we highly recommend for COVID long-haul information the Facebook group Survivor Corps. And Pamela Addison, she still has that Facebook group going, Young Widows and Widowers of COVID-19. We look forward to a new year and new hope for better health. That's our wish to all of you. 880 In-Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Scheld, are the executive producers. Subscribe to the podcast version of the show and listen on your time. Just search 880 In-Depth wherever you get your audio. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year. And please be safe. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.